Luke chapter 24 is where we're going to be tonight, and uh, I don't have, uh, typically on Sunday nights, we have uh, a little handout for you, and we have slides for you. Well, not tonight. Uh, tonight, we're just going to be a, a church family, and it, this is a different type of a message. It's just we're going we're gonna to walk through this passage together and uh, just point out some things. Do a little bit like we did on Tuesday night, except we're not going to read five chapters. We're just going to kind of cover uh, most of chapter 24 tonight, and then that's it. All right? So, um, and if you were to title this, it would just simply be The Road to Emmaus. Luke 24 and uh, verses 13 through 17. If you would join me in standing, you've been sitting for a little bit uh, as we read this passage. If you're able to stand, Luke 24 verses 13 through 17. Uh, Verse 13 says this, And behold, two of them went the same day to a village called Emmaus, which was from Jerusalem, about threescore furlongs. And they talked together of all these things which had happened. And it came to pass that while they communed together and reasoned, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were holden that they should not know him. And he said unto them, What manner of communications are these that ye have one to another as ye walk and are sad? And with that, let's uh, have a word of prayer. Lord, we thank you for, uh, again, just a wonderful day in your house. Thank you uh, for time together um, with your people. And uh, Lord, I do uh, so love this church family, so appreciate each and every one of them. And uh, Lord, tonight as we look into this passage, Lord, I pray that you would encourage our hearts and that you would... Uh, perhaps teach us some things that we didn't know before, and um, and then, Lord, help us to uh, be inspired to follow you uh, as a result of this time. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. you. may be seated. Well, today, this morning, we uh, talked about the resurrection. Uh, mostly, we talked about how Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, but then we did definitely allude to the fact that Jesus uh, rose from the dead himself by his own power on the third day after his burial. Um, And then tonight I thought it would be good to just look at one of the first appearances that Jesus made after his resurrection on that very first Easter Sunday. And uh, in this passage we see Jesus appearing to two disciples as they were on their way back to Emmaus from Jerusalem. Uh, Luke is the only gospel writer to really go into detail on this account. Uh, Mark alludes to it in his gospel, but but Luke spends time and uh, really gives the the account of what took took place here. Uh, John and Matthew both don't mention it at all, Uh, but uh, this is a pretty special Account And one of my favorite parts of the resurrection story, uh, this one here. Um, now, one of these two disciples, the Bible, uh, Luke gives us the name of one of them uh, in verse number 18 as Cleopas. One of them whose name was Cleopas. And uh, we do not know the identity of the other disciple. Uh, many Bible scholars believe that it could have been Luke himself. Uh, which is why he went into great detail on uh, what took place here. Um, Others believe that maybe it was Cleopas' wife, uh, which is certainly a possibility. 
uh, or someone totally uh, unrelated to either of those. We're not really sure. Um, but uh, at any rate, we're going to follow these two disciples from Jerusalem to Emmaus and then back to Jerusalem. Okay? So first of all, uh, there we, we see their sadness in, uh, in verse number uh, 13 and in verse 14, really, they talked together of all these things which had happened. And uh, they were uh, not, not super happy about it. And we know that because when Jesus uh, joins their entourage, their journey back to Emmaus, he asks them the question in verse number 17, what manner of communications are these that you have one to another as you walk and are sad? He knew that they were sad about the events that uh, just simply or just recently took place there in Jerusalem. And, uh, and uh, I love this in, uh, in verse number 18. Uh, af- as Jesus asked them that question in verse number 18, uh, Cleopas answering said unto him, art, art thou only a stranger in Jerusalem and hast not known, not known the things which are come to pass there in these days? And, uh, and then I love Jesus' response here. What things? And uh, now I wasn't here in, uh, in Moore in 2013 when uh, the tornado came through. But it would be similar to that situation uh, where someone's walking around and uh, a couple people are talking about the tornado. And, and he says, you know, why, why are you guys so sad? And, and he said, you've been in Moore when the tornado came through and you're asking what things we're talking about? I mean, don't you know uh, what's going on? Because in Jerusalem, the crucifixion of Jesus Christ was the hot topic. It was, um, it was the thing going. I mean, there was a tremendous buzz in the area, and it was all about Jesus being crucified. And uh, so they were kind of like, uh, how do you not know what's going on? And then Jesus st- still asked them, what things? And I can almost imagine a little smirk on Jesus' face when he asked that question. Now, they didn't know it was Jesus Christ at this point, uh, but, uh, but uh, he's just there kind of as a, almost a fly on the wall, so to speak, and, uh, and so <laughs> they were sad, of course, because their, their, dash, their, their hopes were dashed. If you look in uh, verse number 19, let's read down through a couple of these verses here. Uh, he said unto them, what things? Well, and they said unto him, well, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, I mean, where have you been? Uh, which was a prophet mighty indeed and word uh, mighty indeed in word before God and all the people and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be cru- condemned to death and have crucified him and here's where their uh, hopes were dashed in verse 21 but we trusted that it had been he which should have redeemed Israel I, we thought he was going to redeem Israel but he didn't but actually he did <laughs> He did offer redemption. It was, just wasn't the redemption that everybody was looking for. Everybody was hoping that uh, Jesus would bring in political freedom and remove Rome from uh, the bondage that they were, um, the oppression of Rome. And uh, they were really hoping that that would happen, and it, and it didn't. It was kind of like, you gave us all these campaign promises and you didn't deliver them. The, the truth is they misunderstood Jesus' promises, and they applied them to the here and now instead of eternal, eternally, which is what Jesus meant. Okay, so their uh, hopes were dashed, and as a result, they were sad. 
Um, okay, so we trusted in verse 21 that it had been he which should have redeemed Israel. And beside all this, today is the third day since all these things were done. Yea, and certain women also of our company made us astonished, which were early at the sepulchre. And when they found not his body, they came, saying that they had also seen a vision of angels, which said that he was alive. And certain of them which were with us went to the sepulchre and found it, even so as the women had said, but they saw him not. Like, there's no body, so we're just not really sure what happened. And as a result, they were sad. Um, as, I, as I think about this, um, it, it reminded me of something that took place when I was in college. Um, my, my, my friend and I, well, we went on this uh, retreat, this college and career retreat. It'd be like, uh, Brother Randy, your class going on a retreat. And uh, there was uh, just a lot of the college students and, uh, and older singles there. And, uh, and while we were on this retreat, one night, uh, my, my best friend and I were there. And uh, there was a girl that was also on the retreat who he really, really liked. And we were walking... I don't know, in the hallway somewhere, and it was by some rooms, uh, some hotel rooms, and, and we were walking and we were talking about this girl that he liked. And uh, we were conversing about it, and we're trying to figure out, you know, uh, does she like him back, and uh, what did she mean when she did this, and they were, we were just trying to speculate, you know, uh, like junior hires were, but we were in college, okay, and, uh, and so some things never change. Well, uh, as we were conversing and, and uh, getting into this conversation, I was trying to, you know, give him some insight. Well, maybe she feels this way about you. I'm not sure. Maybe, we, maybe you should try this. And we're just having this conversation back and forth. And uh, finally, uh, we hear someone from right behind us pipe up and say, have a good afternoon, guys. And we looked, and it was the very girl that we were talking about that was right there following us, unbeknownst to us, and uh, it, was, uh, it was a little awkward. As she said that, she put the key card in her door, and uh, she, we were walking right by her door. We didn't know that, and uh, she walked right in and uh, smiled and said, have a good afternoon, and we looked at each other and gulped and went, well, that's awkward and embarrassing that we were just talking about her. Uh, well, I can relate to these two disciples, Cleopas and whoever else it was, because that's exactly what happened to them. They were talking about Jesus, not knowing that Jesus was right there the whole time. Uh, so uh, we see their sadness here in, in the beginning part of this, this, uh, this record. And then, um, and then we see, secondly, the scriptures. In uh, verse number 25, um, then Jesus, again, they don't know it's Jesus at this point. Uh, then he said, Jesus does, O fools and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? I can imagine them kind of being taken aback. I mean, here's a stranger that just simply kind of, you know, decided to awkwardly join them as they're walking back to Emmaus. You know, and it's kind of like, hey, we don't really know you, but okay, you can walk with us. And then now he chides them. It's kind of like, whoa, like, dude. Now, I'm not trying to be disrespectful here, but I, I can just picture myself as uh, Cleopas's 
uh, the other disciple here and kind of going, hey, you know, you don't have to like yell at us here. I mean, we're just trying to make our way back and you're welcome to join us, but, but be nice, right? And uh, well, Jesus has the authority here to uh, chide them. And then in verse 27, the Bible says, And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Now, can you imagine being one of those two disciples on this walk and talk with Jesus situation? I mean, what an amazing Bible study that must have been. To be one of those disciples, to have the Lord Jesus walk through the Old Testament and say, Hey, do you remember? Uh, I don't know if he used some of these verses, but, but this could have been one of them. Genesis 3.15. Hey, do you remember Genesis 3.15? I will put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise his heel. Uh, do you, you remember when it says her seed? Could that have been? The Lord Jesus? Could that have been the fact that he was born of a virgin, the Virgin Mary in Bethlehem's manger? Could that have been? And then he may have gone to Genesis 22 and verse number 8 when uh, God called Abraham to sacrifice his son Isaac there on Mount Moriah. And in Genesis 22, 8, Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. Uh, you guys wonder who that lamb was supposed to be? Do uh, you remember John the Baptist calling uh, Jesus the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world? Uh, the things in the Old Testament were pointing to the fact that Jesus would be the fulfillment of all of those prophecies in Exodus 12. Uh, you guys remember, uh, Jesus must have said, in, uh, when, when the... When God delivered the nation of Israel out of Egypt, uh, the last plague there was the, the death angel that came over. And remember uh, the Passover lamb that was supposed to be uh, sacrificed? And Exodus 12, 5 says, Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. You shall take it out from the sheep or from the goats. And then in verse 7 says, And they shall take of the blood and strike it on the two posts, side posts and on the upper door posts of the houses wherein they shall eat it. Uh, that... You think that uh, there is going to be a, a Passover lamb somewhere down the line? And is it a coincidence that the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, his crucifixion, happened right there around the Passover? Was that a coincidence? No, I think not. Maybe he mentioned Psalm 22 in verse number 1. He said, do you guys remember Psalm 22, 1? Where the Bible says, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Do you recall that saying being said from the cross that Jesus died on? Do you remember him saying that? What about Isaiah 7, 14? Uh, you guys are familiar with Isaiah, I'm sure. Uh, Jesus was saying to these two disciples. Isaiah 7, 14, Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. Do you remember what they called Jesus when he was born? Emmanuel which being interpreted is God with us. Isaiah 9, 6, uh, probably another reference he would have given. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. He probably would have 
gone to Isaiah 53. I'm almost certain that he did. Isaiah 53 and one of that, uh, the whole chapter, of course, but uh, verses 4 through 8 say, Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. With his stripes we are healed. Uh, and uh, I'm sure he was about ready to say, ah, No, I'm not going to show him the stripes right now. Um, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed, he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shears is dumb, so he openeth not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment, and who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living. For the transgression of my people was he stricken, and he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, because he had done no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth. He said, does that sound familiar of what just took place? Jeremiah, he probably would have gone, I've got a couple more here. Uh, these are just a sampling of the verses that Jesus could have uh, referenced. Jeremiah 23 Verse number five, behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will raise up unto David a righteous branch and a king shall reign and prosper and shall execute judgment and justice in the earth. In his days, Judah shall be saved and Israel shall dwell safely. And this is his name whereby he shall be called the Lord, our righteousness. Daniel 9.25 is another one that he may have said, hey guys, don't you remember Daniel? Daniel 9.25 Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and to build Jerusalem unto the Messiah, the prince, shall be seven weeks and threescore and two weeks. The street shall be built again in the wall, even in troublous times. He said, don't you know that? I'm sure you've studied that. Zechariah chapter 12, verse 10. I will pour out. I pour upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and of supplications. And they shall look upon me whom they have pierced. Jesus was pierced. Micah 5.2 But thou, Bethlehem, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me that is to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been from old uh, from everlasting. And so Jesus here takes the time to go through the Old Testament and uh, many more I'm sure he could have gone into and said, hey, that's, that's Jesus. You say, how long was the walk that they took? Well, the verse 13 says it was from Jerusalem, Emmaus was, about three score furlongs, which equates to Around seven and a half-ish miles, okay? Seven and a half miles. Uh, last Saturday, not last night, but the Saturday before, I rode my motorcycle to uh, the church to in the evening to finish studying and getting ready for Sunday. And uh, it worked fine getting here. Everything was just dandy. Um, and it was about, uh, about 10 o'clock when I left on Saturday night, or was trying to leave, and I tried to start my motorcycle, and it would not start. That dumb battery just didn't have enough juice to turn the thing over. Here it is, 10 o'clock, and I'm 
10 o'clock at night, so I decide, well, I'm going to call my wife and see if she can come rescue me. So I call my wife, and I can tell when she answered the phone that she was not all that alive, alert, awake, and enthusiastic at all at that time of the night. She was pretty tired, and uh, she had had a full day that day, and um, and I said, are you, are you laying down? Are you, are you asleep? And she's like, maybe. <laughs> and I knew that it may not be the best thing for, her to, for me to have her get up and, uh, and make her way to the church to pick me up. And I thought, you know, I'm not that far from the church or from my house. Uh, the church and, and my house aren't that, it's not that big of a walk. So I can walk. And I said, I'm just going to walk home. And she's like, you're not going to walk home. And I said, yeah, I'm going to walk home. It'd be good for me. I'll, I'll kind of think through my message. I'll pray. It'll be fine. I'll walk home. And so I, I, I pull out my phone, and you know how it gives you the uh, estimated time uh, of arrival if you're driving. And then I switched it over to walking, and I was like, oh, boy. Uh, <laughs> and uh, you know how even when, you're <clears throat> when you do that, you're like, okay, I'm going to beat that. That was my goal for walking home. I was like, I'm going to beat that time. And so it said about, it said like 11.07, and I was like, ooh, that's a long walk. Um, and I thought it was about a couple miles from, uh, from here to my house, and it's actually 3.2 miles. And I was like, oh, boy. So I, I start walking home, and, uh, and I'm about, I, I go down Main, and I turn left on telephone, and I'm like, you know, Maybe I should go back and just use the church van to get home and come back in the morning. Uh, but I was like, you know what, I'll just keep walking. And uh, so it took me about 55 minutes to get home. I did beat the time because that was my whole goal. I did beat the time, and I got home right around 11 o'clock that night. Um, now here it is. The reason I share that is because uh, I, I kind of now know how long it takes to walk about a mile <laughs> Uh, I, I'd learned that that day, and, and I was moving as fast as I could. Um, and so basically, in the Bible days, walking was a normal mode of transportation, as, as you know. And perhaps they were a bit faster than I was that day. So let's say they walked a, about 15 minutes for every mile. So if that was the case, it would have taken them a little under two hours to walk from Jerusalem to Emmaus. That's seven and a half miles. That's, that's a lot of walking. I mean, if you had a Fitbit, you would get your, your steps in, no problem. I mean, you're there. Um, and so Jesus has the time then, uh, as they're walking and, and spending these couple hours walking together, to go through the Old Testament and explain what these different passages and how they point to himself. And uh, that's what he did in verse 27. He expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. And uh, that must have been a very powerful, and it was a very powerful, and we'll find out in a couple verses later, it was a very powerful Bible study. And there was something different about the way he was uh, talking about those scriptures. So we see the scriptures. Then uh, thirdly, we see the supper. In uh, verse 28, they drew nigh unto the village, whither they went. So the, the walk is over, and, and uh, it's getting to be a little late. And, um, and so they, they get to where they're, they're going. And, and the Bible says, and he made as though he would have gone further. So I, I like this about 
the Lord Jesus, and of course, we can all learn from this as well. Uh, he didn't, you know, of course, he was the stranger that, that just joined in this, these two disciples as they're making their way, and, and uh, they're getting close to the house, and, and he acted as though he was going to continue walking. In other words, he didn't want to force himself on them to invite them in. He didn't make it awkward. Like, so what are you guys having for dinner? You know, <laughs> uh, what do you guys have there at the house? You know, uh, boy, I sure am hungry. Sure be nice to find a nice place to eat dinner tonight. Uh, he didn't say anything like that. He, he planned to just keep walking. And so uh, that's what he did. Well, but uh, I'm sure that these two disciples are so glad they had verse 29, but they constrained him saying, please abide with us. For it is toward evening, and the day is far spent. And uh, like, don't, don't, don't keep walking. Why don't you go ahead and come on in here? And uh, that's the way the Lord is. He doesn't force himself on any of us, does he? He uh, waits for us to invite him into our life and into our homes and into our, uh, our world. All right? And so, um, and then look at verse, verse number 30. It came to pass as he sat at meat with them, that he took bread. Now, this wasn't his home, but here he still decides to serve. And usually when someone is a guest in your home, they don't do the serving. Uh, the host does the serving. Well, Jesus still takes the role of a tear, and, uh, and he takes bread, and he blesses it, and he breaks it, and gives it to them. Uh, so... Not the first time he ever took bread, blessed it, and broke it, and gave to his disciples, was it? Uh, he did that in the upper room prior to his crucifixion. And so we see the supper, but then notice fourthly, their sight. In verse number 31, their eyes were opened, and they knew him, and he vanished out of their sight. So what was it that caused their eyes to be opened that this was not just some random stranger, but that this was the resurrected Lord of glory that uh, they had heard about. What was it? Uh, perhaps they heard about how he broke that bread there in the upper room since they weren't there themselves. But perhaps Peter and the other disciples were like, oh yeah, here's how he did it. And uh, they went through and a play-by-play -play recap of what took place in the upper room there between the crucifixion and the, uh, the resurrection as they're kind of waiting to see what happens. Uh, perhaps this came up in conversation and, and as he, in verse 30, he takes bread, blesses it and breaks it and gives it to them. Something about uh, the fact that he did it in that order made them go, you know, we just heard how Jesus did exactly the same thing in the upper room with the other disciples. Or perhaps as he handed them the bread, as he was wearing, I'm sure, the garments there, as he handed them the bread, the garments kind of went up his arms and revealed something that most people don't have on their wrists, which is a nail print. I happen to think that that's probably what it was. That as he broke that bread and gave it to him and said, here you go, fellas. 
that they looked and saw the nail prints in his wrists right here. And boy, as they saw those things on his wrists, they must have looked at each other and said, this, this has got to be Jesus. He is alive. And as they looked back to where Jesus was, the Bible says in verse 31, he vanished out of their sight. Poof, he was gone. Wow. Well, then in verse number 32, the Bible says, here's the conversation they had, they had with one another. Did not our heart burn within us? While he talked with us by the way, and while he opened to us the scriptures. He said, we knew there was something different about him. And, and boy, as he uh, spoke the scriptures into our, our, our hearts, we're burning. Because this was no ordinary. He, he spoke with some real authority because he's the one that ultimately caused it to be written in the first place. And so their sight was opened, their eyes were opened, and they understood that that man, that stranger, wasn't really a stranger at all. It was the Lord Jesus himself. A couple more thoughts, and we'll wrap it up tonight. And Number five, we see their speech. So as a result of, of them understanding that that was Jesus and that Jesus is alive, they were uncertain at the beginning. In verses 23 and 24, they're really uncertain as to what everything, this was all just hearsay, and, and uh, they were just like, well, I don't, and, until we see a body, I'm not going to say that I really believe that this happened. But now they saw the body, and they uh, talked with him and walked with him along the way from Jerusalem to Emmaus. And so, as a result of that, they uh, decided to go back that seven and a half miles. Now, I can just imagine uh, me that Saturday night at 11 o'clock getting, getting home and realizing that I left my keys to the house way back at the church. That would have been a bummer. Now, I would have rang the doorbell 80 times until they answered, and I would have called and uh, but but let's say that I couldn't do any of those things and I had to go all the way back to the church to get something, that would have been a big bummer. Well, it wasn't a bummer for them to go that seven and a half miles and I'm sure they, uh, they picked up their, their pace and again, it was their walking at night. Uh, the, the sun, I'm sure, had set at that point and uh, they made their way back that two hours-ish, uh, probably an hour and a half, uh, I bet is all it took that to, to go back the, uh, to Jerusalem. And uh, so they returned to Jerusalem that same hour, and uh, they, were, they were booking it uh, because they were excited. And they found the 11 gathered together. Now, technically, uh, when it says 11, that's a reference to just the, the 11 disciples there, the 11. But technically, there were only 10 there. There was one missing. Well, we know, we know Judas wasn't there, right? But then one more was missing. Anybody know who was missing? Doubting Thomas was missing. He didn't show up for church that night, and uh, so he didn't get to see the risen Lord. And uh, he later uh, meets him and, and uh, believes. But, but yeah, so uh, they come and they find uh, the 11 that were gathered and uh, them that were with them. So there was multiple people there, but, but the 10 disciples plus others, I'm sure some of the ladies that were there as well, and, uh, and here's, what, 
Here's what the 11 said when, when these two disciples come back and they're probably out of breath. <sighs> and they probably got a big old honk and smile on their face. And they come into that room. They're like, hey, just a second. And then, and then before they're able to get a word out, the 11 say this. Hey, the Lord is risen indeed and hath appeared to Simon. Hey, he is risen. This is no joke. He really is alive. And then when they catch their breath, finally, in verse 35, they're like, okay, well, here's what happened uh, to us. And they shared how Jesus had joined them on their, road, or their way back to Emmaus, how they got to be in the best Bible study in the history of Bible studies. And uh, they, got, they got to have him serve them meals. And then they got to, no doubt, see the nail prints in, in his hands. And then they said, as soon as we saw that, poof, he was gone. And they began to say all this. And then look what happens in verse number. You think, I mean, do you feel the excitement in that room that mo in that moment? Well, it's, it's just now beginning because look in verse number 36. And as they thus spake... Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and saith unto them, Peace be unto you. He probably had to say that because there was a lot of excitement, a lot of emotion. And now Jesus again shows up. It's like, man, how do you keep doing this? You have this crazy ability to poof, vanish, and then to reappear uh, wherever you want to. And uh, verse 37, but they were terrified and frightened and supposed that they had seen a spirit. I mean, they just really didn't know what to, uh, what to think of everything. And he said to them, why are you troubled? And why do thoughts arise in your hearts? Behold my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Handle me and see. He said, feel free to touch. Um, you, you, you can feel me. I, I'm not just a spirit. He said, for a spirit hath not flesh and bones as ye see me have. And when he had thus spoken, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they yet believed not for joy and wondered, he said unto them, have ye here any meat? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish and of a honeycomb, some sugar. Amen. Jesus ate sugar. The resurrected Lord ate sugar. He took it and did eat before them. And he said to them, These are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. Then opened he their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. And he said unto them, Thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer, to rise from the dead the third day. And so we see their, their speech there and that, that meeting that took place, that, that first Sunday night church service that took place. And then lastly here, we see their service. Uh, the service that they were supposed to then have uh, for the Lord Jesus as a result of the resurrection. We see that in verse 47. And Jesus said that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations beginning at Jerusalem. So just as Jesus disappeared out of their sight in Emmaus, he now reappears in Jerusalem. And on that very first Easter Sunday night, the disciples were confronted with the fact that Jesus is indeed alive and that now he has commissioned them to serve him by preaching the gospel to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. 
So tonight on this Easter Sunday night in 2021, we gather together to also be reminded that Jesus is indeed alive, but also to recommit ourselves to serving him by preaching the gospel to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem as well.